At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another podcast. We have an awesome guest for you guys today, Jason Urick. He's out of Pennsylvania. He's an HVAC commercial service manager or commercial HVAC service manager, I should say. We're going to talk about his career, how he got to that point, the roles he has as a service manager. And this podcast doesn't really have one specific topic per se. We're going to talk about a bunch of different things that pertain to the industry. So it was a good chat with Jason. Very good chat. I enjoyed it a lot. One thing I want to bring up before we get to Jason, something I think is extremely important is a strong communication within the company you work for, within the team that you're working with. Strong communication is very, very important. And one of the ways that we can communicate with each other out in the field to make sure that we kind of service the customer correctly is if you go out to a call and it's somebody else's account or somebody else has been to that account prior, it's always a good idea to reach out to the person that's been hanging out there the most or last just to kind of get a quick history. If you can't pull that history up within some sort of automated um, work order software, if you can't do that, reach out to them have a chat and just find out if there's anything that they did in the past to a particular piece of equipment that may help you diagnose the problem that you're having. Because I mean, you could go there, see a problem, right? You're going there blind, you see this problem, but this could have been an intermittent thing that somebody else tried to solve a week before, a month before, or maybe even a couple of times within that month or week that they've been out there trying to fix. So if you go back you're going at it blind. Now it's an intermittent thing again for you. Reach out to that person because I think the conversation could help lead you down the right track to get the unit fixed, to get the customer back up and running, get the problem solved. So I just wanted to, to throw, that, throw that out there, guys. Strong communication is extremely important when you're running about in the field trying to deal with customers and give them the best support you can. Let's get to the podcast, guys. HVAC Know It All podcast, and as always, I'm your host, Gary McCready. Jason, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing awesome, man. So I wanted to thank you for providing your services for the evening to get on and discuss HVAC and your story and all that. And we spoke briefly through messaging, and that's about it. Um, I don't know you, you don't know me very well. We're going to learn about each other on the fly here and the audience is going to pick up on that as, as we go, which is, so we're all on the same page, you and I, and the audience, we're all, we're all on the same page here. <laughs> Sounds great. Awesome. So I'm, uh, the best part about podcasting from home is I get to do it in my pajamas, which is very cool. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of in a, I guess you could call it like my office, and I'm doing doing air quotes, my office uh, catch-all spare bedroom type thing, and you know I just had to threaten my son not to scream and yell on Fortnite because he's right outside the door. So it's a pretty pretty great setting right now, but. Yeah, that Fortnite, man. My kids are my kids are hung up on on Fortnite too. So I I, I feel your pain right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, how was your week? Uh, week's been great. Uh, it's actually in training. Uh, the first uh, first three days of the week, we do a uh, a lot of you know in house leadership training, and uh, so it's um, that's where I was doing the first three days. And that's why I, my, I told you the beginning of my week was pretty hectic. And that was the main reason. And my evenings consist of, you know, uh, basketball games and, and running to and fro. So awesome. This, this, like this worked out well, though. Sounds like my life. So yeah, I've been I've been busy too. Uh, this week. This week, I had this week, I had a mishap. And I've, I've kind of publicly showed it on Instagram. And, and I wasn't very, <laughs> I wasn't very pleased that this kind of doesn't have anything to do with HVAC in particular, but my HVAC beard got, got all messed up and I'm, I'm a little, I, I did see that. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So what happened, just so everybody knows, um, I love my beard and a lot of people that grow beards, they love their beards. And so I went to the barber and I got a haircut. I'm like, she's like, do you want to, uh, me to line up your beard for you? And I said, yeah, go ahead. So she throws me back in the chair and I can feel the, the straight razor in these weird spots of my face that seem like they're not right. Cause when I do it myself, I know where the, the, the blade stops, right? <laughs> it feels like she's going deeper on in, in all, all the lines. I get up and I'm like, Oh my God, what has she done to my beard? So I went home or my mustache, I went home and I tried to fix it and I couldn't. So I had to shave the mustache right off. Yeah. So yeah, that, that stinks. Cause, uh, I'm not one that grows. I have a beard right now, but it's, it's barely that. So, um, if I had, you know, a nice beard and mustache and took the time to grow that, I, I would not be happy either. No, man. So let's get into kind of, kind of yourself and, and how you kind of started in the trade and, and, and to where you are now. Yeah, sure. So, and I, I, I wanted to start too, just by saying, uh, I guarantee you that my journey and story is nowhere near as interesting as Neville's and Scott's was. Uh, I mean, you know, God bless the two of those guys and what they've been through and what they've overcome. I mean, it's pretty awesome that they were able to share that. And so, but uh, I'll try and do my best. But um, so, I mean, my, my journey, uh, my journey started, uh, I had no intention of ever getting into HVAC, didn't even know what HVAC was. Uh, and uh, my intent out of high school was to go to college and become a physical therapist, which obviously that didn't that didn't pan out. Um, and how I came to know HVAC is I was working summers when I was in college at a, a mill and the gentleman I worked with, one of the guys there was going through uh, an HVAC program at the local community college. And he had mentioned it to me that, you know, he had known I'd had stopped going to, to school when I was actually doing working full time at the mill. And he had said that this is a career path that you should definitely look into. It's, it's growing and um, it's taken off. So that's exactly you know, what I did. I, I worked at the mill for a little while uh, and then I just left there enrolled at the community college and 
and the HVAC program, which was a two-year program that they had, um, and started thumbing through the um, uh, wanted ads, you know, uh, in the, in the newspaper for you know some some might might find that hard to believe. I had to actually thumb through a newspaper to look for a job back then, and I came across a company that was hiring. Um, and instead of just calling them, I actually looked up their address in the yellow pages, went there, showed up on their doorstep, and they gave me an opportunity to, to, to kind of get, get my feet wet and learn in the field as I was going through uh, school, which I was doing at nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, you said it's funny because the yellow pages, it's, it's like this term that you don't, <laughs> yeah. you, don't, you, don't, you don't really hear nowadays. And, and I'm being 100% serious. There might be kids listening to this that are in their early twenties and don't know what yellow pages are like, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's hard to believe, but you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, yeah. my oldest son, he's 10. If you told him, yeah, go grab me the yellow pages. He'd be like, what, what are you talking about? So yellow, yellow pages for anybody that doesn't know. And, and I feel weird saying this cause I, I don't want to feel like I'm um, insulting anybody's intelligence, but if, if the younger generation doesn't know, it's like a big book filled with numbers and addresses for businesses. And that's kind of how, that's the route I went down. I was in the yellow pages of the phone book and, and I just went through all of them and I set, and I um, prepared a resume and made copies. And I think I had my mom, I think, I think it was my mom that like faxed them out or sent them out from her office for me when I first started. Right. Yeah. It's hard to believe how far we've come with oh, uh, technology in this industry. It's incredible. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I got I got into that company, you know, obviously as an apprentice, and uh, learned and uh, did a little bit of everything there—a little bit of residential construction install, uh, as well as some service. And then, but most of what I did there was on the commercial end, and most of what I've done in my career in HVAC has all been on the commercial end, um, construction and service. The last probably 16 have been all in the commercial service sector. Uh, and, uh, you know, I worked for that company for about, about nine years and, uh, you know, decided to explore another opportunity with the company I'm currently at, you know, been there ever since came, started there as a, as a tech, uh, and actually worked my way into sales account management, went from account management to supervisor. And now, you know, my current role, which is, you know, service manager and a commercial service manager in your organization. So I've kind of had a you know a unique perspective of seeing all aspects of that business, wearing all the hats, and um, you know, kind of understanding all the pains and and what everybody does go through. Mm-hmm. And and you're you're in Pennsylvania, right? I am, yeah, uh, cent- mid- central Pennsylvania, Harrisburg area. So not okay. too far from Scott, where Scott's at. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, I had somebody message or not message. There was a post I seen on Facebook today, and somebody was looking for commercial. HVAC podcast. I'm like, well, we do, we talk about commercial a lot on this podcast. So I don't want to let this, this, uh, this person down. So <laughs> maybe we should talk a little bit about the commercial aspect of the trade. Um, cause that's what I'm in and that's what you're in. So since, mm-hmm. since you're, since you're a service manager, I did want to ask you some questions. So there's been service managers in the past that I've known about that are all just mainly in the office. There's service managers that are out in the field doing their own work and trying to juggle the guys or the other techs and some office stuff. And then there's, um, then there's the pure hybrid where it's like half office, half field. 
not doing his own like jobs, but basically backing up the other techs by if they have a problem going out and helping going to installs, making sure they're done right, making sure the quality is, is on point and all that. So how, how would you define your role as a service manager? So my role, my role right now, you know, it's kind of morphed through, through the years. It's probably been about eight years I've been in this role. Uh, but right now I'm pretty much, uh, I mean, I get, I get out in the field, but just mainly just trying to connect with my, with my techs uh, more so on a personal level. I find that that's pretty, uh, pretty important. But most of, you know, most of what I do though is on strictly, you know, strategic, you know, uh, operational stuff, making sure people, you know, are put in positions where they're going to succeed. Uh, not a lot of, you know, day to day out in there doing any type of even any more uh, like technical assistance. Um, it's very, uh, very rare that, uh, you know, that I'm even called on more so to do that. And we're, we're a fairly large organization as well, which kind of, you know, complicates that, you know, it makes that difficult as well. I mean, we have, you know, over 50, you know, commercial service techs. So it's, uh, I feel supervisors that do a lot of that, uh, the day-to-day, you know, training, mentoring in the field with those individuals. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when you said putting people in the positions to succeed the most, like what, what exactly do you mean by that? If there's like a big job coming up or a certain job coming up, you kind of pick the best person for that job type thing. Is that, is that what you mean by that? Yeah, I assist in that. And actually kind of what I do is uh, basically place the people that are going to make those decisions to, to put the right people on the job. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah, yeah, uh, overseeing, um, and I'm strictly over, uh, I don't, I don't have nothing to do with, uh, well, I shouldn't say nothing to do. We have a sales manager and they handle the sales and I'm strictly on the operations end. So, uh, you know, we have, you know, uh, dispatchers, we call them service coordinators and, uh, for, you know, for dispatchers. And again, just getting those people in there, getting the right people for, for one that, cause that's an easy, easy burnout position, uh, you know, in, in an organization you know, so, you know, getting the people in that position, getting them the, the support they need, providing the support and assistance, um, you know, as we go through is a lot of just a lot of layers that, you know, we're just trying to piece together and each one, you know, is, is uh, critical to the other, the other success, you know, f- you know, with the client, with internal communications and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before you got into the service manager role, like what sort of field work were you doing? before that but commercial service tech okay so like what um yep. what type of equipment was it like um rooftops was it boilers was it oh yeah it was well i, I ran the gamut most of um most of it was, was rooftops i did uh also some uh um boiler and chiller work uh but so i mean it was no real specific thing that i specialized in but uh yeah i kind of worked on anything that was put, was put in front of me or anything I was kind of asked to, to go out and, and wrench on. It could have been a, a two ton water source unit. And then a next call would be a, you know, a, a 500 ton train chiller. So it was, it was pretty wide variety of things. Yeah. And that's kind of like myself too. Like we, we take care of a bunch of different things. Um, we could get called to anything really, except for something like a centrifugal chiller. Like we, we don't touch those. Um, yeah, that's, speci- that's about the one thing too. Yeah. yeah, more of a specialized thing. But I, I always say like, uh, 
I'm not an expert at any type of equipment just because I don't spend enough time on one specific type. Well, I'll tell you, we, we, for some reason, there's a ton of York rooftops around here and I see a lot of York rooftops, but besides that, I don't specialize in any type of equipment. So I could go for a year without seeing that same piece of equipment again and have to open up real, like reopen up a book or get online and read the manual again, just to go through some of the, the, uh, the, I guess the order of operations or, or any, or anything along those lines, just to refamiliarize myself with a machine. But I always preach that to people that that's okay. As long as you have a base knowledge, a base understanding of refrigeration, electrical, um, gas fired equipment, as long as you have that base knowledge, once you pick up that manual for whatever it is, read it for half an hour, just to familiarize yourself with maybe some of the, the settings, like I said, order of operations, you should be fine. Right. Oh yeah. And, uh, it's, it's funny how many times I remember, you know, going to a, a customer, a client and you have to get out that book and they look at you like you got three heads, you know, like you don't yeah. know all this stuff. And it's like, well, you know, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't. And you know, nowadays what, what was new technology two months ago is now obsolete and they're onto another revision and, and you're trying to piece all that together. And yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. But now, it, yeah, having to refamiliarize yourself is a pretty common practice, I find, you know, with, with anything. And we see a lot of York rooftops, obviously, in this area being, you know, in close to that factory and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had, I had somebody ask me one time, he's like, um, so you, you can pretty much work on everything. And I said, yeah. I mean, with, he's like, but I don't know how to work on everything until I learn it first. And he was, he was baffled by this explanation I gave him. He's like, but you're licensed tech, right? I'm like, yes, I am. (laughs) And I'm like, but that doesn't mean that you automatically know how to work on everything. You have to learn that piece of equipment and anybody that's listening, there's nothing wrong with, um, with picking up a manual in front of a customer and reading through it. So the optics of that to the customer doesn't look the greatest, but you need to explain to them why you say, listen, I have the knowledge to work on this, but every unit's different and I have to figure out the quirks of this unit so I can put the pieces together. Oh yeah. And it's, and it's not even just a manual. I mean, with, you know, the technology, I'm sure most of us have computers, tablets that we can Google IOMs, service bulletins, look things up, you know, YouTube, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, of ways. And, you know, even, you know, calling tech support, uh, it's kind of, I think it's kind of undervalued at times, but, now, let me ask you this. In your, in your years as a, a commercial service tech, now, this is what I find. This is my experience. I, I read online um, in different groups, whatever, uh, social media platforms that techs are, there's a lot of discussion around airflow and checking static pressure. And as a commercial service tech, through the years, I've barely took, taken an airflow measurement just because the duct work is like jammed up in the ceiling. It's hard to get at. And if, and really, if there is a massive airflow issue, we hire a balancer to come out and, and balance the system out. So in, with you, have you dealt with a lot of airflow being in commercial or is it something like, like I explain where we don't really touch airflow all that much? No, I've dealt with it. And what my experience has been more so 
on the, again, going old school on the uh, heat output calculations for, uh, like you said, whether a rooftop, whether it's an electric heat package or a gas package, looking at temp rise and just trying to, you know, start pretty basic at that level to determine what, what is, what is going on. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, hooking up for static, no, it's not something that, you know, I recall doing a lot of, um, you know, in, in my career or, you know, checking the, the static and obviously, obviously for commissioning something, that's a different story because, you know, um, if you're going to be setting static on, you know, the AV systems, zone systems, uh, anything along that lines, obviously you're, you're looking for a specific static to start off with, but yeah, you no, know, and we have, yeah, but if, as far as balancing systems, we have, you know, I've taken air hoods out and just, I, okay, I can tell you what it is, but if you don't have drawings or, you know, engineering diagrams, I don't know if that's good or bad. I know it's 350 CFM. Is that what it's supposed to be? You know, I kind of need more information, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain things like, yeah, checking temp rise across a heat exchanger and um, checking static up at the machine um, is different from being down and trying to get up into a ceiling. Um, and the ductwork might be like six, seven feet above the ceiling space. <laughs> you know what I mean? And oh, you, yeah. you, you can't get up there. So I just, I just find it's been, it's been a really difficult task as far as being, um, being able to check airflow and stuff like that. But in the, in the summer, I did do something that was pretty neat where uh, we had a building that every once in a while we'd go there to a call and the rooftop would be, overflowing in in the pan for, for the condensate and um what i did was because the, the the whoever installed these machines the the installer they just slapped generic uh i th think it was like three quarter inch p-traps on there but it actually had a one inch outlet on it so i actually and there's a there's a calculation there's a picture and i can't remember where i got this from but there's a picture and it shows uh, the P-trap and it shows how to calculate the length of it according to the static pressure, like the, the negative static of the system um, on, mm -hmm. the on the return side. And, and I did that and I, and, and I put in these bigger P-traps and I made the length to, to what the calculation was. I got to find this because I should repost it. Um, and ever since I did that, the problem, 90% went away, 90%. And I say 90% because these things move so much air and I find in the dead of the summer, if it's very, very humid outside, it's happened once or twice, but it was happening almost weekly before I, I, I fixed the trap issue. It's happened once or twice since then. And what we find is when we pull the filters out that are semi dirty and put new ones in the problem disappears. It's like the fan is moving so much air and with the filters um, being partially plugged, it's creating, a greater negative on the other side of the filter where the P-trap is sucking the water back in and not, not allowing it to drain. And the fans run all the time. It's not like they ever shut off to allow that water to, to relieve. You ever had any, any issues? Right. I have had similar issues with that it, along, the, along the lines of a dirty filter or even like a, uh, you know, the vap coil needs cleaned. You know, one of those things where, ah, you know, you go out and, oh, we've cleaned it three times and, you know, you, it looks clean, but you find out, you know, through static measurements that no, it's not clean or yeah. And I, I've, I've come across some, I know larger, like you said, larger scale rooftops, high static systems where they do have that. 
I remember that uh, the P trap showing the P trap and how to yes calculate the depth of it and and the I think even a diameter of pipe it goes into what you should that's, use and yeah yep yeah so that's uh, that's <laughs> to to pretty much the extent of of, of airflow checking I've done but. I kind of get jealous when I see all these guys doing all their, their, um, their readings and like all, all the res residential guys that are doing their airflow, um, readings and, and, and kind of balancing out the system and stuff like that. But I guess when you're in a home, this you're on such a, you're in such a, a, a smaller scale, um, and you can access everything. So I guess it's a lot easier right. to, to do so. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's just, I just find it really odd because I was, before I got online and started doing all these, um, building all these platforms up and reading all these comments, airflow was something that basically was just, Hey, if, if, if there's not enough air, <laughs> you, you adjust the pulley in and uh, on the on yeah. the drive <laughs> and, and, and make it go faster. <laughs> right. That was, yeah. That was about the extent of it. Yeah, and it's um, it is definitely something you hear more and more of, uh, and and you'd be surprised. Too. I think another thing is okay. So you go in, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of poorly designed duct systems out there uh, as well, and you you come across that. And I mean, I guess the right thing to do is you find there's you know is you know, how often is a customer going to opt to oh oh thanks for making me aware of that yeah I'll replace all the duct system in my building I I had no idea and you know but. Uh, yeah, like a lot of times, like you said, you're just trying to, for lack of a better term, I don't want to say put a Band-Aid on it, but yeah, just adjusting that pulley, adjusting your airflow a little bit, just to try and get more air to the end of the end of the duct run to that last office that's always two degrees cooler for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I guess um, when you're listening to, to Scott and I, we, we were discussing how Pennsylvania kind of has similar weather to where I'm at in Toronto. So um, how's the weather there? like now because we're we're experienced well I, I think it's kind of anywhere that suffers cold weather is kind of experiencing mild winters um this season are you getting the same thing uh it's been pretty cold the past week uh, now today it was i think it got up into the low 40s for the high but it's been in like the 20s and getting down into the you know we got to go out to the vehicle in the morning it's you know that 11 12 degree mark so i it's been chilly here and when, I don't know. We haven't gotten a lot of snow yet, but I don't know how it's been. Toronto is, and Toronto, I guess you guys get, it's a little bit cooler climate, right? Than Toronto. Not uh, much, but a little bit. Yeah. I, I like this winter has been very mild for us. Very, very mild. Um, we've had days where like you're, you're saying in, in, um, in Fahrenheit what the temperature was, but in Celsius, we've had days where I come out to my van, it's minus 18. Um, that's kind of a, a weird one to try to convert into Fahrenheit without, <laughs> without a calculator, but it's probably what, um, around zero. I think it's around zero, zero degrees Fahrenheit, somewhere around there. Right, but I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've had days where, yeah. Cause I think minus 20 Celsius is around zero Fahrenheit. I think I've, we've, we've had days where it's been that cold in the morning. Um, but not very many. And it's kind of been mild and it seems that we have some slow, some slower periods now. Like I got stuff to do. I got a bunch of stuff to do, but if the weather continues like this, 
um, for the next two months, we could we could see a real slow stretch coming. I think until the the spring startups. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I don't think we're quite there, but uh, it, yet. But um, it is it is weird. We do see weird fluctuations uh, that like we did have like maybe two weeks ago. It was a it got almost in the 60s on one, and then the next day it's like 30, and you know everybody's sick. I got the flu and. But, uh, yeah, we, we see some of that, like every now and then this warm spot, this warm spell come out of nowhere, you know, in the middle of February, it'll hit, you know, 50 or, and then the next day it's, you know, in the teens. So that is kind of weird, but, um, I don't know. I don't know what kind of winter we're in store for. I don't, I don't think it's going to be mild though, but. Well, I mean, it's all, it's almost done. (laughs) We've only got, we're a third, we're a third of the way through. And, and for me, I mean, I've been loving this winter. Like I was on the roof today because um, I'm usually, and the way I gauge it, like I'm usually, if I go onto the roof and I'm not wearing like long underwear and I'm not wearing a sweater and a jacket, then my big jacket on top, I'm freezing. Today I'm on the roof. I'm just wearing like one jacket, no sweater, mm-hmm. underneath, no long underwear. And I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine. Just moving around doing doing some work so i can kind of gauge it that way but i remember last year in march i was changing a uh, condenser fan motor on this big condensing unit for a walk-in cooler and the wind was howling it was it was um below freezing and like i was like man i felt like crying i'm like i got (laughs) i gotta get out of i gotta get out of this trade man this is too much and it was just it was i was just having a bad day that after I noticed when I tried to put the fan cage back on um, the new motor I had changed, the, the, the shaft was too long. <laughs> I didn't notice this oh. during, during while I was changing it. So then I had to go down and get my Sawzall. And luckily there was a, an outlet because um, it's cold now. When you install new equipment on a roof, you got to put an outlet, like a 120-volt outlet. Um, it's cold. Up, up around here for that. I don't know if it is oh, okay. where you are in Pennsylvania, but I, I love the fact that this is code now because now you don't have to run extension cords when you're working on a piece of equipment. So I, I had my, well, I had to run a small one for my, my Sawzall, but I had to go down on my, mm-hmm. my truck in this big, huge building, go down, grab it, come back up and chop the thing off. Um, in this freezing cold weather, I was just finished that day. So, I mean, I'm not having any days like that this year, I I find. So if all goes as planned, we're going to have Blue on on the podcast very, very shortly. Like I said, if all goes as planned. Now, I posted some bullet points for TDX20R458A the other night. And there was some questioning around some of the bullet points. And we're going to clear some of that up for you guys during the podcast. That's what I want to do because if there's questions, questions need answered and who better to answer them than the people that make the product. So we're going to have them on very, very shortly. Stay tuned for that. I posted a micron gauge cleaning kit last night and there was some debate on it and debate on what to use to clean a micron gauge and whatnot. Now the kit I posted, it's only for the yellow jacket gauges as far as I know, because in the instructions, it's for the Omni, the Mantooth, and there's another gauge. It's just got a part number, but it's in a little kit. It flips open. Um, it's got like a pigtail uh, wire that connects remotely to the system, and you read it on 
uh, on a device that is in the case. I can't remember the part number on it, but it's for those those gauges. So basically what you got to do is take that quarter inch fitting off that connects to the system. The syringe has a fitting that screws onto it, then another fitting that screws onto that. They're recommending we use mineral spirits, not alcohol, in their gauges. So we inject the mineral spirits into the gauge, the micron gauge, and then suck it back out with that same syringe. And as you're pushing or injecting and sucking out, because you got to repeat, you're agitating the dirt inside and you're getting it loosened up and you yank it out. Some people are saying just a couple drips of alcohol. Well, the syringe is actually pressurizing it and moving it around in there. And then when you suck it back out, it's drawing out the contaminants. That's the whole reason for the syringe. And they're also recommending we use mineral spirits, not alcohol, on their gauges. So just to clear that up, all right? And once you're done, you put your gauge on your vacuum pump until you reach that ultimate vacuum, until your micron gauge is reading correctly. That's the way you use that tool. So I want to big up the, the old lady from the Frank's Red Hot commercial because without her we wouldn't be using kind of copying the phrase that she uses for nylog we put that shit on everything now the other thing i'm gonna say is big blue it kind of fits into that i spray that shit on everything um and if you listen to my podcast with john pastorello he talks about bubble surface tension and and all that kind of stuff and the science of it so it's pretty cool stuff and like i said and said in the past he's a He's a technician, an HVAC technician and a chemist wrapped into one. And that's why the products they make over there are completely badass. Now, I did receive the NAVAC for CFM vacuum pump this week. The thing is just phenomenal. What I want to do, I'm going to try to do is set up a rig so I can boil water on my kitchen counter with the pump. No cord, right? Magic. Show all the young kids how we boil water at room temperature when we take the atmosphere and create a vacuum around the water. Make it boil. XY Technologies, guys, you know the deal. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know what they're all about. And you may have seen that Oscar video I posted because they're starting to um, take some of the content that companies are using and and showing it off to to show how their product works. Anyway, there's a 30-day free trial to use XOI for two techs within your company and a $500 cash reward if you guys sign up. So check that stuff out and I will leave the link to XOI in the podcast notes. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Harago, a trades-only platform helping you find the right job or the right candidate. Harago.com, best in trade. Right. Yeah, I don't. Well, and what what actually, I'm sorry. What really struck me weird there was, if I remember from your previous uh, cast or that, so you have a cordless uh, vacuum pump yep. and a electric sawzall. Yeah, you don't have a battery powered <laughs> sawzall. No, no, I don't. You know what? That's because I I bought that sawzall when I first started in the trade. It's a Dewalt sawzall, and I bought it maybe second or third year in and it's um it's it's been awesome since then but you're right i do need a, a <laughs> I, I do need a battery powered sawzall yeah but the, the, i have a i have two battery powered vacuum pumps now i got a two cfm and a four cfm 
Um, <laughs> and, and man, they're, they're awesome. There's, there's skeptics out there going, oh, why would I need a battery powered pump? Well, there's certain situations that a battery powered pump would be phenomenal in. And I've used them in those situations, like pumping down a system and only having a small portion of the system to evacuate um, a system out of gas where you don't need to bring up a recovery, um, a recovery mm -hmm. machine and run a cord for it. And you just use the vacuum pump that you have with the battery in it and you don't need to run a cord. It, it, it's beautiful. I'm just waiting for the battery powered um, recovery unit to come out. That'll be. Yeah. It's, it's probably not too far off. No, probably not too far off. And this technology is only going to get better. It's only going to get better through time, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm sorry. I just want to give you a little rough time there on that. But. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, I got some old tools in my truck that have lasted, lasted quite a while. So that one's not going anywhere. But I, I actually seen in Home Depot, I'm like, I need to buy like an angle grinder for situations like this with a battery on it. But I saw this little Milwaukee cutoff tool that was even smaller and it was handheld, which would have been perfect for, um, for that cutting, cutting that shaft. Oh yeah. Are you a Milwaukee guy or a Dewalt guy or? I know uh, either or, um, we actually use a, a little of both. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I don't really have any, any preference. Like I said, I have, we, I have both, both types of tools, corded, cordless, whatever. But uh, I think they both they both seem to perform pretty well. Yeah, I've um, I've always had Dewalt stuff from when I started in the trade, but I'm I've been looking at a lot of Milwaukee stuff lately just to give it a go. Um, I'm actually hoping to because uh, I'm going to be at the CMPX show in in Toronto in March, doing a little mm -hmm. podcast gig there with my own little booth and I'm actually Milwaukee's going to be there. I'm actually hoping to snag them for a quick interview um, and go to their booth and check out a lot of their stuff because they, they do got, they do have a lot of cool stuff. I'll admit that. Yeah, they do. They do. And a lot, I like their, they got a lot of like, nice little smaller stuff. It's good for, you know, like, like the stuff that you know, we're kind of doing a little, I mean, DeWalt does too, little handheld things. I mean, they're just a lot, you know, real, real nice instead of carrying that big old, you know, 20 volt you used to, haul up to the, the roof with you and to take panels off and stuff like that. So what do you, what do you think about some of the, uh, the newer methods and ways that some technicians are doing things nowadays? Like um, it's, it's, it's a real big thing now to pull your Schrader cores when pulling an evacuation um, using larger hoses, not pulling through gauges, um, the, the going to the digital tools these days, a lot of, especially the younger techs are going to them, the older techs, um, we're having a hard time struggling with going to digital, but I see a lot of them switching over now. What do you think about all these changes that are kind of happening through the industry? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it's great. We've, we've definitely embraced it. Uh, especially, you know, I think it's, it's added some efficiency, uh, to, you know, what the techs are doing now, especially, uh, I mean, when I, I had, I think it was a dad, a tech come to me about, you know, the, the larger hoses, you know, with the, the core tools, put the larger hoses on and he had bought a set himself. And, uh, I think they were, you now I don't, don't want to mention, if I could mention names of manufacturers, but they were Appion, uh, the Appion hose kits, mega kits, hose kits they have and how fast he was able to pull that. I mean, I was just blown away and like, 
the next day I started like outfitting all the trucks with them. It's like kind of standard now, you know, you're, like I said, yeah, you're pulling the cores, you're using the big hoses uh, and it's just saving so much time, you know, with, with, you know, a relatively small investment, you know, it's definitely easily paid for itself with the new, the newer technology. And, you know, every, we started embracing the digital gauges now and, and you're right. Some of the, some of the, you know, season techs are a little, a little hesitant to, to, uh, you know, trust, trust that stuff. You know, they, you know, they always talk about, yeah, how do you know if it's calibrated? You can't calibrate it. You got to do, you know, whoops, you, know, you just got to check it. But, um, but no, we've, uh, most, most of our guys, I think even some of the season techs have embraced a lot of that technology, um, because of the time savings and, and just ease, ease of operation. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you said you outfitted the trucks with them. So does that mean that you, part, part of your role is to look at tools and products that should be in vehicles and kind of implement them in, into those trucks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, okay. if I see new technology or if someone, a tech will come to me with a something and I'll, I'll kind of check it out and yeah, give a yay or nay on it. So how do you, how do you decide that? Like, how do you decide what goes in? Do you, do you take it? Do you have like a, a shop at, or like a, at, at, at your shop? Do you have a shop? <laughs> do you have like a, um, a place where you test these things and, and do your own kind of, um, analysis on them before you decide they go in or you just kind of do online research? Like what, what makes you make that decision? Well, I'll do, it'll, it'll be three things I'll do online. We'll, we'll do it in the field. Uh, so we do a lot of things at our shop too. We have like a little train, we have a training thing set up with, with some equipment that we can do testing on, um, you know, without, especially with, you know, without having to risk, you know, doing any, doing any damage to a client's, you know, uh, equipment. So there's, there's, there's a lot of different things we'll look into it and, uh, um, and, and utilize. So, mm-hmm. so is there any other new products, new methods, new tools that you have also implemented besides the digital tools and the vacuum hoses that you think are a good fit in the commercial world? Uh, late, lately, it's just been those two. I can't think of, uh, I can't think of anything else offhand. Um, as far as, you know, one of the things that I've, we haven't really embraced and I'm trying to learn more about has been, and you know, you, you're a big proponent of the, the smart seal, um, uh, components for the, you know, for repairing those pet, you know, like a pesky leak you can't fix or, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure who the brand is, but it's actually like one of them has like a putty. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. If you to repair had, like larger leaks. I, I did, um, I did a, a video. Uh, I've done, done a couple of video. Uh, okay. A couple, couple of videos could, on it. So I saw it somewhere. I couldn't remember. It, it, it's the same company. Um, it is. Okay. So it, yeah. And, and, and I'm not a proponent of all sealants because they don't all mm-hmm. work, work the same way. And I wasn't a proponent of AC smart seal when they first approached me to test it. But mm-hmm. I was, I, I, I'm like, I don't want to be like these hard headed techs that just dismiss everything because they heard something in the past. I said, okay, fine, I'll accept it and I'll, and I'll do some things with it and try it out. And because it's oil-based, it's not polymer, it doesn't harden, it doesn't clog. I've had it in my testo gauges a bunch of times. I've had it in about seven systems now and it hasn't damaged anything. And I've, I've even checked with a, a DTEC uh, Stratus 
um, leak detector that measures in parts per million to see in a few days that the PPM level of the leak rate dropped. I seen that with my own eyes. So I know it works. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah. that's AC Smart Seal. It's not any other brand. And then the putty is AC Smart Seal external. I've used it um, in a test, um, like on a bench test, held over 400 pounds. And I used it. And this, this was a perfect scenario for me to use it. It was, uh, it was a high, uh, what was the name of it? It's a water reg valve, but it was a, uh, it was a high flow or it had some weird name to it, high flow or high capacity or something like that. And it's really expensive and it was, it's not hard to get, but it was, there was lead time on it and the capillary that attached to the top, which um, went over to the, I believe the liquid line that, that basically what it's for is to keep the head pressure constant by opening and closing Mm -hmm. and feeding water into water into a water cooled condenser so that capillary line had and i say capillary and people make fun of me because of that (laughs) because you you probably say um capillary right i say capillary yeah (laughs) capillary yeah yeah so anyway so um it rubbed through and it was just a tiny little pinhole on it um so i took the putty and i shaped it around the thing and it held and that was about six. Oh man, must be more than that. I think it was in the spring I did that of 2019, and it's still on there, still holding. Um, the customer is actually moving. It's a server room, and it's an older unit, and the customer is actually moving out in a couple of years. So it was actually a perfect test to try on that unit, and it worked. I've had coworkers use it on aluminum condensers um, as a test. And one, one cool test is my coworker wrapped it around a service valve because yeah. the, service, the service valve had a leak in it and he couldn't weld it because it was like, I can't remember, um, or braze it because it wasn't copper. Or I guess he could have, but he didn't feel comfortable because he would have to use silver solder because it was dissimilar metals or whatever. So he wrapped right. it around the, the service valve um, and, it, and it held and it's been on there for like, I'm pretty sure it's been on there for almost a year now. So, I mean, if you use, if you use these things in the right application, yeah, it has to be the right application. You can't just use it in any old application and think it's going to work. Right. You have to use it in the right. Application, yeah. Um, and follow, follow the instructions and all that kind of stuff. And, and they do have their, their place and a purpose when used correctly and used in the right application. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I mean the external seems to me like something that would you know get you out of a pinch. You got a, lar- a large leak, you got to keep like a, a you know a cooler going or a freezer, you know something critical, um, just to be able to put that on there and 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 keep them going. You can do a permanent repair, and um, it just seems like something that something I've been wanting to look into as well. You you do have to do it when the system has no gas in it, so you you can't put it. Oh, on that there. Mean, yeah. yeah, you can't put it on okay. there when the system's under pressure. Um, it has to be out of, has to be out of gas. Um, okay. Um, so I don't know if that's going to change your mind or not, but it, it has come in handy. Like I said, in those situations that I just explained to you. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Tough to, tough to get to scenarios, but no. Um, yeah. And I know what, another thing that I'm, I was really intrigued by is going through some of your podcasts was the, uh, 
and I forget the gentleman's name, he was going through the non-invasive maintenance procedures. Yeah, Jim Bergman, yeah. Yeah, oh man, I was I was like all in on that. I'm, and um, I've been, you know, uh, testing that out and trying it. And I'm I'm going to start having some of the uh, some of my uh, supervisors, you know, give it a go. And I'm sure, you know, they'll they'll love it. I'm sure they'll be rolling their eyes, but God, geez, you know, what's he got? What's he got going on for us now? But uh, I thought that was just uh, you know a great a great avenue, and it, it's a great differentiator, you know, to like he said, how many times do we cause problems to a system, unintentional problems to a system by hooking gauges up when it's not necessary? Yeah, exactly. So did you, are you testing it out with the measure quick app that you actually download it and you're using that? Yes, I downloaded it. We, I haven't uh, tested it out yet, but I did download it. I did some research on it. Like I said, I'm going to start you know, in our lab or in the office, just going to start doing some, uh, some testing on it and um, pick up a few Bluetooth uh, sensors and, and give it a go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it makes a ton of sense. Um, and in that same podcast, I was I described to Jim like why I love it um, and what I've done in the past is basically use my senses to, to know if a system's working right because I, I had no other choice because the time mm-hmm. constraints on on a maintenance that had a ton of equipment and not enough time to, to, to hook up gauges to every single machine to know if it was working properly. Um, but I've, I've never, I've never, even, even back then I never agreed with that. I mean, my unit at home has been in for almost seven years and gauges have been on at once when I started it up and that was it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so unnecessary to put gauges on a machine. And, and when I first said that years ago, I'm like, I don't put gauges on every machine. I only put gauges on if my senses pick something up that something's not right, right? Because um, I know right. the equipment I work on, I know the way it should be running. I know how it should feel in the space. I know how much heat should be coming off the top of the fans. I know how much water should be leaving a P-trap um, when it's muggy outside. Like these are just things I've, I've picked up. And if you pay attention to systems, you can pick these up yourself as well. Um, so I've just always thought it was silly that guys would walk up to a machine that's running perfectly, cycling off, especially when it cycles off in the middle of the summer. <laughs> yeah. When it's like, you know what I mean? When it's a hundred degrees outside, chances are that system is fine. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I know that's, that's kind of a point of contention. I'm sure with some texts, I mean, I've, I've always, you know, usually it's five ton and under. I I would never hook gauges up unless, like you said, unless I suspected something, unless I saw something off on a temp split, a basic check, uh, and then and then I do a little further diagnosis. But mm-hmm. yeah, so so there's all kinds of there's all kinds of cool things um, there's coming out. There's all kinds of cool things that we have now that we can use in our daily. Like there's there's so many apps like we talked about it um actually this podcast didn't get released because it, the recording didn't go right but i got to get back on to um uh, my buddy don taylor there from from instagram we talked about an issue he had with a compressor and i don't want to confuse myself here but i believe it was a 410 410a unit with an r22 compressor in it or something like that and and when he finally figured it out, he was using the, uh, 
the uh, the Emerson app for the for the compressors that takes a snapshot of the uh, the barcode and tells you everything about oh. the compressor. You know what I mean? So there's, there's all kinds of tools nice. out there that we can utilize to, to make our, our day and our, our lives easier. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm glad to hear it. So how, how old are you anyway? <laughs> I'm uh, 45. Okay, cool. So like I'm, I'm turned, actually I turned 41 two days ago. So um, I'm just right behind you, man. But it's, it's good to know that, somebody at your stage of the game is open-minded to, to this kind of stuff because most people, once they get comfortable and with their tools and their products and stuff, they don't want to change, but I'm glad you're open-minded to all this kind of stuff. Oh yeah. I'm a, I love it. I'm a sponge. I'm always, you're always looking to learn. You're always learning in, in this industry. That's one constant. Yeah. It doesn't stop. yeah it doesn't stop and next time you turn your head there's a new manufacturer with a new product that you've never seen before and it's like wow let me check that out (laughs) there's so much there's so much resistance to new stuff it's like (laughs) anytime i I come across something new and i post it or talk about it it's like why would i need that i don't need that like get that out of my face and then like a year later everybody's using it yeah, it's, I say like, why, why wouldn't you use it? And you know, like it's, I, it's funny. I talked to text and I'm like, you know, we didn't have, I didn't have a smartphone when I came up. I didn't, you know, I was lucky. I had a to call. We used to have, we used to have a calling card, whatever. I don't know if you could call it that, or a card. You had to find a payphone to make a call. Type in a, you type in like a 16 digit number, and then you would call back to the office for something. And uh, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I I remember um, our install manager now. He he started with the company I'm I'm at now as like a young 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 like probably the same age I was when I started there. He's probably like twenty or twenty one or something like that. And uh, he tells me stories about how they had pagers, and they needed to if they got a page, they'd have to find the closest payphone. <laughs> yeah to call the office to figure out what the page was about right um it it was just imagine living in those times now where you couldn't pick up a cell phone and google a manual or 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 reach out to uh, a senior tech or or reach out to somebody online across the world that you know has worked on that piece of equipment and they know it well you know what i mean now you can pick up your phone and go hey i know so-and-so from this place maybe they have an answer for me yeah yeah cool man all right well i don't want to take up too much of your time we've been chatting there for a while but i i gotta thank you for uh getting on with me and and talking about your your career and your life in in the hvac world no um hey thank you and i i certainly appreciate you you allow me to do that you know on your on your podcast and like i said I, i enjoy enjoy what you're doing and, and enjoy listening and the, and the Instagram and the post and everything. So awesome. Who, what, um, who, who are you, who are you on Instagram? What's your handle there? Uh, it's at Uric dot Jason at Uric U R I C H dot Jason. Thank you, Jason. That was, that was completely awesome. I really enjoyed that conversation. Uh, it was a collection of different things regarding HVAC and the industry as a whole, 
but as I said off the top, guys, please, please, please keep in mind that communication is number one when it comes to running a successful business. I mean, if you don't communicate, things can fall apart easily and quickly. When you communicate with your team members, your coworkers, everybody's on the same page. Things flow a lot better. Everybody's happier. When everybody's happier, things go a lot better. Just my experience, guys. Anyway, guys, I'm out. Happy HVACing.